This Sunday morning, I want to introduce a man that many of us already know. I want to introduce you to this man. Let's see on the screen. Ocean Boat. And who is this guy? This guy is a Jamaican. He's a former sprinter. He's widely considered to be the greatest sprinter of all time. He's a world record holder in the 100 meters and 200 meters as well as a 4 by 100 meters relay. This guy can really run very fast. He's an eight-time Olympic gold medalist. Eight times. He is the only sprinter to win the Olympics 100 and 200 meters title at three consecutive Olympics. In, 2000, in 2008, four years later in 2012, four years later in 2016, altogether 12 years, he won six gold medals, same event consecutively. He also won two 4 by 100 meters relay. He gained worldwide fame for his double sprint in the victory in record time at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, which made him to be the first person to hold both records. And this man bowed. He improved upon his already world-breaking record in the 100 meters of 9.69 and he improved it and break his own record in that run by achieving 9.58 seconds in the 100 meters in 2009. The biggest improvement in electronic timing. It took less than 10 seconds for the Jamaican to sprint to cover the 100 meter difference. And those few seconds cemented himself as the fastest man alive on earth and placed him on the winner's podium. But you know, the race was not won in those nine or ten seconds, it was won by hours, years of practice, of workouts, of weightlifting, of training, special diet, coaching, strength training, and all that. The race was not won in the performance, but in the preparation. Prepare for four years and finish in less than 10 seconds. How about that? It is our desire for something greater that caused us to sacrifice some things, even some very good things in our life for the sake of things that are better. He made the sacrifice for the years in order to do the best. Sacrifice in order to do the best. In these modern times now, most people are high consumers and they expect others to serve them, serve them well, especially those who are paying for the service. They expect to be served very well, especially well, extraordinary well. But 
they contribute minimum in return. Minimum in return. And due to the many advertisements in the media propagating pleasure, propagating leisure, propagating uh, enjoyment, many people are less keen to serve and to make sacrifices in their ministry or even in their work. We often heard about saying that this is a new working culture. The culture of consumerism is very ingrained now. And this morning, I want to preach on serving and sacrifice. Serving and sacrifice, the two S. The two S that come together. And many of us who are involved in ministry lament that some are not serving enough with their hearts and I want to preach on how our deep commitment in service become an example for others, become example for others and a benchmark for service, a benchmark for service. Our, entire, our untiring service can be examples to inspire others, to inspire others and also our sacrifice and even that these people that are inspired can in the future overtake our place. Well, examples are very inspiring. And that's why many times examples move us. We cannot serve well when we can't make the sacrifices. We cannot serve well if we can't make the sacrifices. We cannot pass on a good legacy if we have not made the sacrifices in our service to God. We cannot pass a good legacy if we have not done it ourselves. Title of my message this morning, simply, service and sacrifice. I want to bring out example of two persons. Alright? And uh, first of all, we want to read in uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, 14 to verse 19. Okay, we want to address and look into Nehemiah first. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14 to 19. Follow along as I read. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, Twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, who, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistant also lorded over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men are assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. Each day, one ox Six choice sheep and some poultry were prepared for me. 
and every ten days an abundance of supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favour, my God, for all I have done for these people. Let us pray, let us pray, as we look into the word of God. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for this man, Nehemiah, that you have raised out, out of the ashes, placed him in such a position to be the governor of Judah. And out of this dire situation, that he is able, he was able to lead and to repair the walls of Jerusalem. So I pray that we will learn valuable lessons from this man. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now about this man, Nehemiah. And I think that some of us are familiar with him. So in his case, he might have been an excellent person in the court of the king. He might have served well. And these are the exiles that were taken from Palestine, from Jerusalem, and uh, exiled to Babylon during that time under King Nebuchadnezzar and political situation changed and, uh, and, and Babylon was taken over by the Medes and the Persians. Now the Cyrus, the king came and took over and the new development come on and this king, King Artaxerxes, was in control at that moment. Then he was the Jewish exile who ascended very high into the courts of the king that as nowhere we read this verse, this chapter of Nehemiah, he was the cupbearer for the king. So he has access to the court of the king. And of course, the king only one time a day. He drinks a few times a day. And every time when he drinks, Nehemiah would drink first. Well, the best wine go to Nehemiah first. The best grape juice go to Nehemiah. The best inosot go to Nehemiah. The best drink goes to Nehemiah first. And if he's being uh, 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 poisoned by his assassin, he will be the first to die first. Okay? That is the purpose of protecting the king. All right? And he got that job to do it. And he must have been very excellent that the king would recognize him as a buddy, as a person that really has access to him. And he was very sad. He was very sad because he got sad news about the affairs of Jerusalem. The gates of Jerusalem was burned with fire and walls of Jerusalem were torn down during the invasion, during the siege of Jerusalem. And so he was in a very sad state of affair. And it troubled him so much that even in his soul, it vexed. It was so heavy on him that it showed out on his face. The king would notice hey, that this is not about sickness or unwell. This is the vexation of soul. The vexation of heart that is inside that is being manifested on the outside. You know, sometimes because we are so stressed in our work, for example, we get stomach ulcers, right? It's quite common. You don't sleep enough, you've got mouth ulcers. 
alright? You don't take care of your wife enough, you got quarrels, right or not? Yeah, all these are consequences of something that is happening. And so Nehemiah was facing this issue. And the king saw his face like that. And the king asked him, what is it that is troubling you? And he was, by the grace of God, brave enough to tell the king of the burden that is carrying in his heart. And thank God, God was working in this man's life and in this situation. That the king even grant him leave to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. The king him leave to go back with the approval of the king. And so he went back. He went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the gates. And even after some time, of, uh, when he arrived, he inspected the place, he checked it out, of, and the work he built began and started. And with good reason and inspiring words, he was able to convince those people that are still living there, that are still the rich people, they are still the powerful people, they are still the influential people there. And he was able to inspire them in such a a situation that they all agree to come together to start the rebuilding. And also, at the same time during that year, he was also being appointed as governor of Judah by the king himself. Wow! From a king cup bearer, he was appointed to be the governor of Judah to do the work of God, to do the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. And when the wall reached Half hikes, half hikes, opposition of the Jewish enemies began to start, begin to come in, begin to try to destroy them at first, and secondly, try to threaten them, and thirdly, try to kill people who are working and try to stop it. Now, this is the man that we are looking at in this passage, the case of Nehemiah. We can look at the next slide now. Nehemiah was steadfast to the mission and he devised the plan to work at the same time to guard the people who are working. You work and you guard. And I think that this is very hard work. The time they work, they split the workforce into two. One group will be watching and, as guards and the other group will be working. And in the night, they still need to guard themselves from the attacks of, evil, uh, of the enemy because the walls are being torn down. There are gaps in the wall and easily the enemies can come and attack them. And so it happened like this. And so he has to devise a plan that really works. Smart guy. Smart guy. But then when this worker work, when the worker begins to work, you know, you worked the whole day, you didn't attend to your fields, you didn't attend to your cattle and your sheep, uh, you didn't harvest, the grapes were exposed to the weather, and over time, they have diseases and all that that is happening. And then there is no harvest. And how are you going to work when there is no harvest? <clears throat> Who is going to support you? Where are you going to get the money for food for your family? And so, this problem of food happened. And some have to borrow money to pay the taxes because the king taxed the people 
of the land. And they have to send their children into slavery, to send their children to work for people in exchange for money so that they can have food and to eat. And the desperate outcry came to Nehemiah. And of course, Nehemiah was not happy at all. That was a problem of rebuilding and there is a strategy that needs to be done. And then now we added extra, very uh, close to the heart of the people. The problem can, can really start a reward. He was not happy with the situation and he called for the solution. And so he made and called for the powerful, the rich, the nobles to come together. Let's talk out this issue. And he reasoned with them on the very purpose, very purpose of the Jewish disgrace and their existence. And the rich and powerful people listened to him. They were in disgrace. And it's because of this, if they continue on, they will perpetuate the disgrace of the Jewish people. They were willing to give back whatever that they have taken from the poor people. And they reinstated. And Nehemiah ensured that this, not just talk only, you know, not NATO, but he made them make a covenant so that they will do as they have said. Okay, these are all facts and historical stuff. Now, Nehemiah in our passage here, he reiterated his position not to burden the people, but continue to work and sacrifice for the good of the people. Why? He itemized what he forgo, even though he had the right as the governor for the perks and for the benefits as he was the appointed governor. Those governors that were before him exploited their position to get what they have from the people, to exert their pressure on the people so that they live luxurious life because on the fact that they are governor appointed by the king, you have no choice but to submit. But Nehemiah would not do that. He was in a privileged position to demand. But out of his reverence for God, he would not demand this as his past predecessors did. He even gave out personal loans to those that are struggling. And he gave away free food to those who needed it. And he also accommodated those that came from the surrounding nations. His was a service and sacrifice beyond the call of duty. Now, I don't know that in Malaysia there will be such leaders that will do such things. That not only that they will give and not exert pressure on the normal people, common people, but even give out his own money and his own resources for the benefit of the people. Here we have Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So in this pandemic time, it is good for those of you who have really, out of your own abundance or out of your own lack, have donated to the food bank. And you have given to feed 50 poorer and underprivileged families in the SS13 flats area. And also to some other migrants 
that are found in SS15. And we have decided to make this next year, the whole year-long project, to continue to do so. Every two months, there will be a food bank distribution for the people. And in your position of life, you have made the sacrifice that are making impact to these people now, to the needy. And the recipients, many of them have expressed the thankfulness that Subang Jaya Assembly of God is in this place able to meet some of their needs. And your service and sacrifice is really making inroads. Thank you for sharing. And this is Subang Jaya Church in Action. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter whether we are in high and comfortable position, then only we are able to serve and to sacrifice. In fact, when we are in that such high position, sometimes it's very difficult to serve because we are afraid to be associated with the lowly people or we are afraid that some poor people will come and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and borrow from us and make us difficult to say no. So we try to avoid and we try to make way away from this uh, 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 situation. Okay? Nehemiah was the governor of Judah and he recognized that God has appointed him to such a position for that time. Okay? And today we don't need to wait for position and power before we can start to serve. We start where we are. Simple or even great position. We start where we are. Make it a lifestyle that we are servants of God and there is no competition and there is nothing to gain, nothing to lose. We are all serving the purpose of God. We serve to make Him great. We serve to make God great. And I want to share with you the second Example, the example of Paul. I want to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 to 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 to 18. Follow along if I read, when I uh, read from the NIV. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And those, that <clears throat> those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of this right, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such thing for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. For since I am compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have reward. If, I, if not voluntary, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my right as a preacher of the gospel. There's one more short passage that I'm going to read. is in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 and 9. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. 
It says here, For you yourself know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and road toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. So we have an example of Paul here. And this is the opposite of uh, the governor Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in the uh, high position, uh, privileged position. But Paul is not. He has no connection with any king. He has no uh, high position in the government service. He is just the man called by God to preach the gospel. And so he focused very much on his work. And he was willing even to go to the cross for the cause of Christ. He has a right as an apostle because it is rightful for an apostle because he has planted so many churches, he has been to so many places, raised up so many people and people that has been blessed and ministered to and it is right for him that these people would support his ministry as he go further and further. But he would not. He would not. Barnabas and him would many times work, work to support themselves and work to support their ministry. If you give him an offering, he will take. He, but he will not demand that he get support from, this from the churches that he has planted. Not totally different from the Judaizers that come to undermine his teaching. They come to accuse him. They come to uh, uh, disrupt the church and at the same time demand support from the churches. This is not how Paul conducted himself. And so we are familiar and Paul was really very focused in the call that God has given him. And he made the sacrifice, personal sacrifice. He served God with full and deep devotion. And he made the legacy that he can pass down. And this legacy can be ours as well. That when we make ourselves committed to the cause of Christ, it will inspire others to follow the same. And when we make our sacrifice in the ministry that we are doing, whether you are out there in the sun uh, uh, directing the traffic, or whether you are in the hall here leading people to their seats, whatever that you might be doing, when you do with full deep devotion, people are observing and they will be inspired to do and follow and even to find better ways of serving one another. When there is a commitment and devotion, sacrifices are common occurrences and it is not a painful event. When we are so devoted and so in it that we will not count the cost of serving God. We will not feel it at all actually. There will not be second thoughts when we are devoted to the task that God has placed in our hearts. And we just want to do it well. And we just want to honour God in our serving. So those of us who are serving, let's take it to the next level. Whether you are SNS or whether you are trained in something, whether you are preparing communion, let's take it to the next level in our service of God. 
let's make this a great church that all of us will be proud of because of the sacrifices that we put in for one another. God will be honoured. God will be blessed. And God will be really uh, reward you in time to come. So now the third thing that I'm going to ask, how best can we serve? Now we have considered this example of both Nehemiah from high position and from poor, ordinary person. They serve and they sacrifice. Then what about us today in this church? What can we do? There are times in our service we are not prepared. We came not prepared to serve due to one reason or another. We did not do a good job. And so our co-workers would encourage us by giving us a pat on the back. But then we know that we didn't do a good job. Let's make this sure. To serve well, we need to make time for it. To serve well, we really need to prepare and we need to make time for it. Sometimes we are so busy, we slot in so many things. Whether on a Sunday or whether on a Friday or order on a Wednesday night, our schedules are so packed that we really find it very hard to meet those demands. And because of that, we cannot do well. We cannot bring our service to the next level. So we need to really find time. And how we do find time? We really need to strike off some of those things that we can. So that our days when we are on duty, when we are needed, when we are required, we will not have so many things there that prevent us from doing a good job, right? And we all love to serve the Lord. And I believe that we all have a heart to serve the Lord. And sometimes we can walk away because we are so unprepared that we feel so lousy about ourselves. And this happens. So let me say that serving God is not secondary or even an afterthought. It requires full devotion. I know there are those of us who have been scheduled to serve and they did not turn up and they give a lame excuse and they did not uh, do, uh, they just do an average job. So let us help ourselves that we would serve God with full devotion. And I heard that there are members as well that when they buy their houses, they want to buy near the church. They want to buy a house that is near the church. And I'm really very appreciative of their reason for doing that because that when the church needs them, they are there very fast, very quick that they need them. Somebody forgot to bring the office key, call them and then they bring the office key. <laughs> Good for us. Yeah. This is just a joke. The thing is, the important thing is that they want to be by the church when they are needed. And I don't say anything wrong for those of you who ship very far away to have better houses or better offer. No, not about that. If you move far, far away to Kuala Selangor, then you better have one hour lead time to come to church. That will be a demand on you. If you live next door to the church, then make it two minutes. It's also up to you. Okay? But the heart of people who want to be nearby to church is because they want to be by the church when anything that requires them. 
And I really respected such kind of a reason. Our service or ministry for church is not second-rated or only carried out when we have the time. Not like that. It is the other way around. We should put our service first, even before our other things. And we should prioritize the ministry before our other things. If we acknowledge God as a supreme and ultimate being, then we serve Him first, for everything belongs to Him and everything comes from Him. And even our life belongs to Him. Why are we fighting God? He should be on our first on our agenda. To those of us who are serving wholeheartedly, and I thank God, and I trust that you will enjoy what you are doing and your ministry. And those of you who are serving at a mediocre level, I trust that you would up your service so that you can build a legacy to pass on. And for those of us who have not started yet, you can start where you are. Where you are. Simple or even great. Where you are. And I trust that you will be encouraged to serve passionately, encouraged to really serve with full devotion, full with creativity and ideas to bring your service to next level. Consider and follow the example of this governor Nehemiah, great man. He did it. And the Apostle Paul, man called by God and he did it. From these two men, let's learn their attitude of service and sacrifice to build a great church, to build the great church. May you serve without being told and bring the service to a high level of excellence. And I think that we have ingrained in our church here that we are to serve in an excellent manner. Our labor of love is not in vain as God will reward us and the body of Christ will be blessed by what you put in. And you will not be wanting and your vets will be full and overflow. God is no man's debtor that when you give to Him, He will definitely return back to you. So keep in mind, our God is a great King and worthy to be served. And we can all acknowledge that God is a great God, awesome God, powerful God. But when we come to our turn to do and to serve, let us not back down. Let us match that power of God with our sacrifice and our serve. Let's move away from ourselves and develop the kingdom mentality and also to invest in the kingdom of God. Alright? And I trust that we can do this and remember this, that God is we will be honoured when we do all this. Let us do excellently to set a new benchmark for others to follow. And in our service, let's do it well. Let's don't do it so half-heartedly. Subang Jaya Assembly of God has the potential to pass on a legacy of excellent service because we have the right people with the right mindset to do such things. And all of you are here. We act together and we build it up. So in conclusion here, to really have some good things to pass on, you must have done some very basic things. 
we have to do some basic things. All right? To really build a great church with excellent service, we must be ready to make the sacrifices. We must be ready to really sacrifice. And we need not wait for others to do it before we do it. We can start doing it and sacrifice ourselves. The church is as great as the people, right? We all know the church is as great as the people and we make up the quality of the church. If we are all consumers, then susara. If we are all ready to serve like Paul and Nehemiah, then we have a great church. I think all of us will enjoy coming to church, coming to Subang Jaya. And Subang Jaya would be a reputable and uh, a church that is being uh, honouring to God as well. We cannot be half-hearted and be consumers while others give all the way. We have to chip in. We have to do our part. And I have to thank those of you who serve out of your devotion to God and not counting the cost. And I know that many of you are doing that, not counting the cost. Congratulations and thank you for serving. You know who you are and I will not mention the names of these people. You know, the church cannot do without you. And I'm praying that those of us who are watching will catch the fire and begin, begin to excel in their own calling and their service for the Lord. Right where we are. I trust we will have developed something good to pass on to others when the time comes to do so. Sacrifices are not burdensome when we are committed to the cause. And so I trust that we are committed to the cross, to the cause of Jesus Christ. Subang Jaya can be the best church because of you. Subang Jaya Assembly of God can be the best church because of you. Not because that there is a competition among us or among the churches. It's just that we want to bring the name of Jesus to a higher visibility.